0: Like Book Club meets letterbox meets Greatest Hits meets Happy Hour, but all about TV.
1: Every week, three friends make and debate the case if a show is truly essential viewing.
2: Listen for the hot takes and stay for the camaraderie.
1: I'm Mallory.
0: I'm Ezra. I'm Gina.
1: And this is The Essentials. This week, we're talking about NBC's The West Wing, which originally aired from September 1999 to May 2006. It's now streaming on Netflix in the U.S. As
2: always, a general warning about spoilers. We will be discussing everything, especially as this show came out over 20 years ago.
1: The West Wing, which comes from the mind of Aaron Sorkin, is a serial political drama about the day-to-day operations of the West Wing, the office, the staff of the president during the fictional administration of President Josiah Bartlett. Josiah. So I just gonna say it, I love this show so much. And I have watched it about 20 times in completion, uh, on a constant loop from 2016 until today and i i love this show so so much because i'm a political junkie and i'm a history buff and if you meld those two things together in a drama which i also am obsessed with you get the perfect like recipe for mallory's favorite viewing mallory's essential viewing and i started watching this show i mentioned 2016 I started watching this show. I was working uh, for a tech publication and everyone there was kind of obsessed with the West Wing so much so that they created a Slack Room just for the West Wing. And one of my friends who, shout out to Slash Film Podcast, Devendra Hardwar, (laughs) is obsessed with everything aaron Sorkin and kind of yelled at me in the very davindral way it said valerie you need to be watching the west wing so much if you love the news you need to watch it it's amazing and so i decided to start watching it uh as the backdrop to the 2016 election and the day that trump won i was just a mess and i was crying and couldn't get out of bed and i just turned on the west wing and started watching and started getting sucked into this this fantasy of of a presidency that is based in in fact and based in competency and i haven't stopped watching it and every day when i would I'd go to work and, and there was hard streets and dealing with everything that's happening in the current political climate i would come home my husband would start cooking dinner and we put on the west wing and just fall in love with the dulcet melodic tones of aaron sorkin's dialogue you have
0: such deep love for this show
1: yes it's gotten me through a lot of rough times in my life two apartments (laughs) uh three jobs (laughs) wow oh yeah It's, it's been with me when like no one else or in the world has has like had my back so thank you, Aaron Sorkin, if you're
0: listening. <laughs> Ezra, what did you think of this show? I think out of the three of us, you were the most um, uh, new relatively to, to viewing um, the episodes. Yeah, um,
2: my foray into Aaron Sorkin was the social network. So I actually, up until then, I'd never seen any of his shows. The only thing I knew about him was that 30 Rock was similar to his other show that I cannot name because, again, I'm not very
1: familiar with Or Sports Night or Studio 60.
2: That's the one. Um, Mm -hmm. And I I went into the show without doing any research. I've actually been enjoying a lot of viewing like movies and TV shows by going into it knowing nothing about Mm -hmm. it. So that's what I did with this one. Um, I watched a couple episodes in season one. And... Mm -hmm. It's not what I was expecting. Um, like having seen the social network, I, it, that movie was very like serious. And mm-hmm. the dialogue was just very like, I'm freezing on the word here, but also serious, I guess. It um, was kind of rigid. Yeah, but... That's a better way of describing it. It's just really rigid and just like in your face. And this just felt a lot more, serene like
1: like a dance
2: (laughs) like um martin sheen is perfect thank you he's just as the characters repeatedly call him a nerd i don't know if you're allowed to call the president a nerd but they seem (laughs) really, really great um i appreciate his love of national parks he even created his own national park
1: yes he did well a national monument
2: is it a national monument okay yes um kind of reminded me of leslie nope's big thing in the season fina- in the series finale um so yeah i i really enjoyed it because it it came across a lot less serious than what i was expecting um but it did make me sad because here is an administration that gets shit done yep. and watching it in 2020 is just it makes me want to cry
1: It's, like, very interesting because there's, like, I'll give another plug to podcasts I love. The West Wing (laughs) Weekly by Rishi uh, Hirwe, who does Song Exploder, and Josh Molina, who was in The West Wing seasons four to seven, and also on Scandal, like, another show I'm obsessed with. But this show actually was based about the Clinton administration, and two of the writers in the writer room served in the west wing uh, during the clinton administration eli addy is like one of like my favorite writers and he's a writer on the show he became like a producer on the show a director and he was the chief of staff i believe to al gore the vice president so a lot of the storylines in season one were literally like planted from the clinton white house and a lot of people at the Clinton like White House watched the West Wing so much so that everyone in the ensemble were allowed to go and shadow their counterparts and were given access to go into the West Wing and sit in meetings and watch and learn and all they had to say was oh I'm on the West Wing and they would be given like standing ovations and unprecedented access really to to places that you and I can't even go to in the West Wing. So that's how like popular this show was among like the political elite. But I love the fact that it's also kind of based on fact. And I think that this show and Parks and Rec give like more realistic visions of what civic life looks like than what you would see in like a scandal, which was also kind of like influenced by West Wing.
2: I should make it very clear that unlike you, I am neither a political junkie or a history buff. The only history class that really stuck with me was period history. So I'm very like, I'm terrible with US history. So I feel like I'm googling things during the show, which was fun. That's yeah. Whenever I read like nonfiction books now, I do that a lot. Like I'm reading Wolf Hall and I'm googling things about like, that court and those royals and it was kind of the same situation here but i also do that with like the crown so it wasn't i wasn't horribly confused like everything was easy to find but it's just it's i think one of the other reasons why i really liked it was it's just it wasn't as serious as i was expecting like these are just normal people that are doing their jobs they work in office but they goof off like Rob Lowe trying to write the birthday speech. Oh my! God. I was like, this is so delightful. He just really wants to nail it, even though he doesn't have to. But it's just wonderful to watch.
1: And some great, like, comedic, like, acting from Rob Lowe when yeah. he's like pounding his hand on like the desk, like, "I got this. I can do this." Uh. He's like, a, he's like a less anal Chris Drager but it's funny because people say that like Chris Traeger is a super anal Sam Seaborn I could see that yeah I feel the opposite he seemed more like oh wait
2: maybe I got it the other way around yes you're right he was a less anal
1: version of Sam Seaborn yeah yeah Gina what did you think I think I'm
0: gonna be that um uh counter voice again
1: <laughs> yeah. in
0: in which i like recognize like the legacy of the west wing i recognize sort of its impact and and whatnot i think it's it's really interesting that like both of you sort of bring up in what you liked about the show was sort of like the look into the sort of, the ordinary lives of people who work in um the government and i think what I saw in how the West Wing depicts that life and those priorities and their efforts um, just made me really angry. (laughs) I think that is partially due to this current time in which I am very seriously like actually like watching the West Wing for the first time before I've only seen stray episodes here and there or or seen um, very specific clips discussed um, in class um, for for sort of academic dissection, and um, in kind of looking at the content of the show and the um, the conflicts that are that that are structured as um, things to be like overcome, I was really struck by how much of the show seemed to be about um stories (laughs) which um in in that like the potential for a scandal um would be a storyline and or um the perception um that uh, of the president was always sort of like a constant um conflict that was running through different seasons of, you know, whether or not the public was perceiving Bartlett to be doing a good job. Whether or not um, he, he seemed competent or, or um, capable or uh, to be like reelectable, And so I feel like a lot of that is also coinciding with the current media games that we see. Um, in our current administration and how they're trying to frame the president as competent. And, I th- and, and so sort of like getting to witness that on screen so closely, the sort of machinations that go behind the scenes, um, I think like there's a part of me that just wished that, like it was a, may, maybe like a little bit more like Parks and Rec of like, okay, like let's just see some of like the really boring civil stuff but then obviously like they're two different shows, completely different shows with different ends. And um, it's just, um, you know, sometimes certain shows aren't, just aren't my cup of tea. Um, I think too, this show, particularly the beginning threw into very stark relief, um, sort of how I think like much more jaded we are now than we were 20, 21 years ago, and so um, Sam Sam's like initial storyline right off the bat of like accidentally uh, sleeping with um, Lisa Edelstein's like call girl, but not realizing she was a call girl, and you know maybe maybe the story might leak out. Like we have the president like on the record somewhat admitting to by way of hush money, admitting to having an affair with a porn star. And so like, there's like a huge gulf that you could drive like, many buses through between what they considered a scandal then, and what is barely a scandal nowadays. And and so I think like, wow, like our, our society is really... Gone off the deep end in a lot of ways,
1: it's like very interesting. The longer you watch it, a lot of the things that they're discussing are things that we're still grappling with now, oh, yeah. like they haven't really figured out how to deal with uh like one of the biggest things that like the West Wing as like a show had to deal with was whitewashing. so the first two episodes, like the NAACP, led off like a firestorm because there was no one of color, rightfully so, like, that they did this in the, in the cast. There was, like, no one. It was just, like, all white people. And that's why, like, Dulé Hill's character was created in episode three. And, like, without Charlie, I feel like the show would, would not be as good as it is. He <laughs> just adds so much to the storylines and to the ensemble. Because then you get the lovely edition of little I have to rewatch it now after everything Gina just said, because
2: it brings up really interesting points. And I'm just the dummy here who's like, it was delightful. No, <laughs> yeah, no.
1: It's like really interesting because, like you said that, there's like this whole segment that the West Wing Weekly does. They call it, mm-hmm. like, Trump III
0: oh. where they, like,
1: talk about how a certain episode that they're discussing, correlates to something that's happening in the media right now like there was like a whole debate about supreme court justices at one point and they were discussing that episode during like the Brett Kavanaugh like issue and it's just really crazy how we still haven't figured out a lot of the same things that the west wing was talking about 20 years ago
0: i think it- part of like I I think that like sort of adds to the timelessness of this show in that the more that things change the more that like a lot of things just seem to stay the same so yeah
2: it's also I feel like the show can be dangerous in a way because and Vox had a whole episode on their podcast dedicated to this where like it paints a false picture of what administration could be and then people expect it to be like this and they go in to elections thinking like i want it to be exactly like the west wing and i get it because you can tell in the show that they do their jobs well based on what i've seen so far everything gets solved at the end of the day you know like there's yeah no-
1: and it's also interesting to me that Like you say that because the Bush White House and the Obama White House were also huge fans of the West Wing. And a lot of the writers on the West Wing also ended up working in those administrations trying to bring, like, Big Block of Cheese Day, for example. Obama saw that in episode five of The Crackpots and These Women and decided to do Big Block of Cheese Day in his White House every like once a year there would be other groups who don't normally get visibility in the White House would be allowed in to argue their case for why their bills need to be passed. So in the same way, like people back then during the Obama administration, it's crazy to think about back then, but they were influenced so much by what they wanted politics to be that they started to make it happen.
0: Well, in doing some of the research for the show and uh, to, to sort of get deeper into some of the nitty-gritty of its impact um one thing that I was really struck by was that like I feel like I've always known what the acronym POTUS stood for and yet like to see the scene in the first episode where Sam Seaborn explains what that means I was taken aback and I was like wait like is is this the moment where everybody learned what POTUS meant like in the um in the culture at large and uh, some quick googling verified that yes, yes. That, that was the moment and I was yep. like wow
1: <laughs> like it's wild to think about it's
2: wild because she I couldn't stop laughing when she was like your friend POTUS has a funny name and I was like that's president of the United States <laughs> I do not know that. It's, it's like in all time
1: This is pre Twitter, pre Twitter, pre like <laughs> President's handle is at POTUS.
2: <laughs> did that before the show?
1: What'd you say? It's crazy. Nobody knew what that meant before. No way. Like I was thinking about when, because in nineteen ninety nine I was in like the sixth grade and taking like civics class and history classes and we no one ever we never talked about the president as POTUS. It was just like president. The president. Yeah. yeah President clinton
2: that's so weird again this is this is all very new to me because i just now we live in an age where like we know these things so it's, it's really shocking to imagine that people assumed potus was the name of a person that wasn't the president
1: but like can we also talk about how progressive that first episode was in showing lisa edelson smoking a joint <laughs> like this is years before California passed like their proposition for medical marijuana. Like years. And Sorkin's just here trying to make weed normal. And I was here for it. The first time I watched it, I was like, stop dead in my tracks. Is <laughs> I she think- smoking marijuana? What? What's I saw that way about um
2: about Martin Sheen's entrance, which was phenomenal. I think it's phenomenal greatest tv show entrances um like the way that they're talking about like abortion and pornography and condoms in school i was like this feels very odd for a show from like such a long time ago god i'm old um (laughs) just like to be so open about it and it's funny because we know people are very open about it now but to imagine back then just on tv just to be like take your pick pornography or condoms
1: but it's still like oddly eerie that the right like the conservative right, still thinks the same things like they don't want condoms in this school even today in 2020 like it's it's just that's the whole thing that freaks me out about this show as much as i love it is that we haven't yet like gotten over these social and political norms 20 years later will we ever oh what well, something to think about <laughs> i think we will be forced
0: to or society at large will be forced to i think um as a like like as a media text the west wing is a really fascinating look into like what people perceived and like how people thought like in 99 and 2000 like all the way up until like 2006 is when it ended yeah and so to sort of see the progression of ideas and to watch as like what is normal each season and and their depiction of society is is really fascinating And, and I feel like that's also something that very rarely as like tv viewers do we really consider too much and and so I think so much of our tv viewing nowadays is like oh like what what is the new tv show that that you know everybody is obsessed with and um what is next or and so very rarely do we go back to to catch up on um certain shows and and the west wing is obviously like one one of those like hallmark shows that, that people have on their list of like oh i'm gonna watch this but it's also one of those like few shows that very much grapples with um time that it's in um, rather than necessarily um, character questions i think so so like the sopranos came out ab- about the same time i think either the year before or the same year
1: same year actually
0: same year and not so, so like that's not a show that um dissects like uh, society during 1999 or society during 2000 or whereas like the west wing like there, there's like a Pre nine eleven West Wing, and then there's a post nine eleven West Wing, and I I think like that's really fascinating and also something that like we we just don't really talk about in terms of watching TV shows too often.
1: No, yeah, that's like a very good point. I think we we haven't discussed this yet, but like the West Wing had to grapple with nine eleven sorkin was on a 22 to 23 episode commitment per season which we can also talk about because that is insane that that was the norm back then to do 45 minute tv shows baking in 20 minutes for commercials 22 times <laughs> in a row for eight nine ten seasons exhausting so, yeah very exhausting and so 9 11 happened like right at the beginning of the fall tv schedule in 2001 And the West Wing was in season three at the time and they had to push back, like many of the other shows did at that time, their start dates to October. And NBC executives basically wanted Sorkin to address 9-11 in some way, like many shows during the time baked 9-11 or like tributes to New York into their plot lines. And so Sorkin essentially decided to create a bottle episode that was within the world of the West Wing, but sort of outside of it, by having someone trying to break into the West Wing with a plot up to the White House and dealing with all their characters' reactions to that. And mildly, or not mildly, really touching on xenophobia in a way that other TV shows weren't doing at the time. And I personally don't like that episode too much, but I admire it for what it was trying to do. And especially during that time, like it's quite a revolutionary episode, even if I don't like it and always skip Mm -hmm. over it because I just want to get back to the story.
2: (laughs) That was the first episode that I watched. Um, But this was years and years ago in high school. We had teachers that were obviously very patriotic and they leaned a certain way and they didn't hide that. So, on that particular date we watched that episode of the west wing and i remember feeling really uncomfortable because my family's muslim and because of all of that we really didn't talk about it so i think it'll be interesting to watch that episode now that i've grown up and i've learned more about like
1: all of this and to watch it with like adult eyes also season three itself was is an interesting season it's not my favorite season of the sorkin seasons because for the very reason that nbc wanted sorkin to up the ante and to bring more terrorism into the plot line there's just more and more episodes that start in in the situation room and the plot line is just oh my gosh there's terrorist thing is happening and russia might have like the bomb or maybe there's water reactors here and we don't know like there's an entire episode about pictures that at a water reactor that like may or may not be like nuclear reactors and they spend the entire episode on phones with like the russian president trying to figure this out while personal things are happening in the lives of the staffers and it just becomes a slog and then at one point mark Harmon is added to the cast because they want a little bit more star power (laughs) and he like plays the role of like a secret service agent who is a love for gibbs it's like a love interest for cj and it's just and at this point and this point like sorkin was like deep into the like five lines an hour you know of of cocaine (laughs) keep up But he admits to it. That's why the dialogue was going faster and faster sometimes because he was so coked out of his mind because executives were on his ass to finish these episodes. And he would turn in the scripts to the writer's room like within like two days if they needed to shoot to keep the production schedules because he's also a control freak. And he had a writer's room, but he didn't really want anyone to do the writing. So season three is very messy. And I actually prefer season four. Uh, which is like the last sorkin era season more than season three yeah based on what you just told me i think i might skip season three in its entirety because i can't
2: stand those plot lines like yes we get a terrorism
1: yeah but I, i guess we can talk about the essential episodes but in season three like there's one amazing episode that i love so much season three episode eight Bartlett for america about It's, a, it's a basically a Leo character study episode. And the West Wing did this great thing for the first four seasons where the Christmas episode, every year, because that was a thing, Thanksgiving and Christmas episodes. So the Christmas episode, every year of, the, of those four seasons was a character study on one specific character from the ensemble. And anyone who was the subject of that character study received the Emmy for Best Actor. So like, um, man, I should have it right up in front of me. I should know their names by heart at this point. (laughs) (laughs) So John Spencer received the Emmy for season three, episode eight, Bartlett for America. Richard Schiff received the Emmy for season one, episode eight. Bradley Whitford received the Emmy in season two (laughs) for the Christmas episode. So I would say that the Christmas episodes are definitely required viewing. For the first four seasons but you don't need to watch all of them after that i know that you want to talk about the music ezra it
2: is so unique it's very distinct i feel like to the west wing right i've, I've never heard a score like that before
1: wg snuffy walden that's a not name. a real person that is not a real person that can't <laughs> be. that name is too glorious it just like it perfectly fits the music that he writes flowery and triumphant
2: there i will say there are times when the score sounds like your typical 90s show like early 2000s show like sometimes i would listen and it would bring back flashes of shows like felicity which had that like similar sound and then you bring in the flutes and i was like oh patriotism here we go
1: here we go <laughs> I also love the the like intro music so much. It's really funny though because the first few episodes was like clearly a computer score, a MIDI recording, because they didn't have any money. And then like episode five, when NBC realized that the show was gonna be a hit, they gave him the budget to do a full score orchestral recording. And then we got the beautiful music the rest of the seasons. I
2: I'm going to admit I've skipped through the intro on every episode that I've watched because it looks like a film student making a 4th of July tribute.
0: Yeah. There's just too much like waving flag imagery and just too many fades. Like, like that is too America for me.
2: I'm not. Yeah. I'm not saying (laughs) America makes me uncomfortable, but.
0: America makes me uncomfortable.
2: (laughs) (laughs) patriotic imagery it's just too much for me
1: I'm well so just listen, listen to the intro song on its own it will get stuck in your head it's the biggest earworm ever
2: what i'll mm-hmm. do is the next episode that i watch i'll just close my
0: eyes
1: and, and just... listen yep
2: yeah, because let I... it
1: wash over you
2: yeah i don't want to see the i don't want to see a flag over roblo's face It's not.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it gets worse as the later seasons go on <laughs> <laughs> intro, yeah, because the cast was very bloated. With they just add, they just kept adding people to the cast. So by the end, like Kristen Chenoweth was was on the show, and it just gets a little crazy. And they kept having to like add in different frames and to to the intro because they couldn't change the length of the music. So they would add more frames to cover the new people that were coming onto the cast, and then. Also towards the end of the show, people started leaving to go do other shows. DuLay Hill left to go do Psych, and they had apparent holes in, like, the intro, and so they had to add more filler to, like, make up for the episodes that DuLay was wasn't in.
2: So does the intro get longer, or do they just put in more American flags? They put
1: in more American flags, balloons fall. <laughs> of I'd rather it
2: be longer with more people
1: than more flag
2: condensed. I, yeah. I, you can tell what kind of imagery I'm not into. <laughs> it's a bit much. <laughs> I mean, it's appropriate. Memorial Day is around the corner,
1: so, you know. Can we talk about one another reason why I love the show so much? The show could have been, like, one thing. It could have just been, let's talk about the goings-on of the West Wing, and it could have been a political, like, procedural drama. Every day is, like, a different bill that they're writing. But then I love so much in episode 11 and 12, of the first season, Lord John Marbury, and He Shall from time to time, that Sorkin does the Sorkin twist. And there's a huge spoiler if you haven't seen the show. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, Josiah Bartlett is hiding a secret condition and he has multiple sclerosis and he's been hiding it from everyone. Like, I personally love that. Sorkin did that twist because it made the show more interesting to me. And there's, to me, it's kind of like pre-disclosure of the illness. And then once episode 11 happens in season one, post-disclosure, the show just goes up 10 notches in my book because it comes instantly more interesting. People are covering things up. Not everyone on the staff knows what's going on. Obviously, the public doesn't know what's going on. And then that just, like, lends itself beautifully into, like, the season one finale with the shooting. Like, the back half of season one is essential, essential viewing. And all of season two, especially 17 people, when Toby figures out that the president's been lying and doesn't want to seek a second term because he has multiple sclerosis and he hasn't been telling anyone, is, like, the most beautiful television ever. The writing is amazing sorkin does it as like a three-part teleplay so toby is literally like interrogating and questioning the president with leo In the other room there's they're trying to figure out jokes for the white house correspondence dinner and then josh and donna are being josh and donna and it's beautiful
2: from a technical standpoint you brought up the writing and shameful play i'm a screenwriter are you that's what i studied in school um aaron sorkin was considered a god although i think there are better writers um but i will admit the writing in the show is fantastic the dialogue is just um it's really quick and it's funny when it needs to be um and i tried to I had a stopwatch to record how much of the show was walking and talking, but it got to the (laughs) point where it happened too much that I just kind of was like, forget it.
1: It's the whole show. And, like, Sporkin Sporkin Sporkin. created the walk and talk from the show. Like, that's that's something that you're probably going to say you learn it in film school, right? Like, if you're in camera production.
2: No, I learned it from 30 Rock when he made his cameo and he was like,
1: walk with me. And he... (laughs) do a little round about the room and it's great. Oh, man. And they make lots of jokes about it um, in the later seasons. (laughs) When she says Studio 60, he goes, shut up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) 30 Rock won that round.
1: 30 Rock is better. I've never seen Studio 60. I probably will watch it. And sorry, Divindra, if you're listening, like, West Wing always, but... (laughs) People do tell me that I should watch Studio Sixty. So, what about you, Gina? What make do you think this show is essential viewing?
0: Yeah, I think so. Um, it's it's a very begrudging. I think so because I personally don't enjoy it quite as much as you guys do. But um, I think, like, from 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 its like pop cultural impact to um, it's it's like or not not just pop cultural impact but its impact on culture and and on like people who went into government to um sort of more interest from the general public in what exactly goes on in the west wing and in federal government like i like there's no question at all about its its importance as as um its importance um i think too just all of the talent that like came through the cast is was also really incredible. And just to sort of like see, like even in the first episode, um, all of these actors that like, I think are are just sort of like entertainment staples in my head, like just to sort of see how they were 20 years ago um, was really fun and fascinating to be like, oh yes, like I I, I know Alice and Janney like as CJ, but like, now she is Oscar winner, Emmy winner, uh, Alice and Janie. And then back then she, she was just Alice and Janie. And, uh, it, it was also fun to just sort of like see a lot of other actors, like before they were able to sort of like find their, um, Sort of like iconic roles and stuff, and so Lisa Edelstein, the the call girl, is also Lisa Edelstein, like Dr. Cuddy, like badass yes. hospital admin. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's essential viewing. If if you want to better understand like American society or TV, or you know the cult of Aaron Sorkin.
1: <laughs> That's a good way to put it. I've already given my pitch. It's. <laughs> it's amazing it's this whole episode <laughs> this whole subject of this podcast but what about you Ezra do you think the show is essential viewing
2: I think it's essential like Gina said given its impact on pop culture I don't think I would watch it religiously personally I'd probably watch like a few episodes here and there but yeah I think it's essential because it's the West Wing. I I knew about The West Wing before I even decided to watch it. it. I've heard of it before. It's People have talked about it in my social studies classes in high school. It comes up in film school.
1: Yeah. I'm just a completionist. That's just how I watch shows. So I would say you should watch the entire show from start to finish. But if you need to choose some episodes, the latter half of season one and all of season two are essential viewing in my book. And that wraps up another episode of The Essential. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.